Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Everybody and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Doing good. All right, so today is our last podcast in February. And as you all know, I hope <laughs> February is the shortest month of the year. Is is that uh, a new factoid for either one of you, or are you previously aware? I'm hearing this for the first time. Oh, shit. <laughs> mind, mind blown, huh? <laughs> All right, so, you know, February is short. So what vertically challenged major leaguers are we going to promote, extend, or trade? <laughs> They're just like me, for real. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, first up, we have the five foot six Jose Altuve. Then we have the five foot six Hack Wilson, and last but not a giant among men, the Goliath, the five foot eight Kirby Puckett. My cat has a lot to say on the subject of I, I know, I hear. She's like right next to the microphone. She's a big, uh, she's a big Kirby Puckett fan. <laughs> yeah. She loves Hack Wilson more than anything. Oh, who doesn't? I mean. When your name is Hack. So so I'm going to extend Hack Wilson, and this has nothing to do with his baseball playing on the field. So if anyone plays out-of-the-park baseball, they have a perfect team thing, which is like an ultimate team. You collect cards and stuff. And last year, at a Hack Wilson card, that played for me for like six months. So Hack Wilson gets extended. Nice. Fair. He was incredible. Like every me, me and our and our friend of the podcast, Rich Staff, play it religiously. So we would go back and forth about our Hack Wilson escapades. I'm promoting Hack Wilson, too, because obviously everyone when you think of Hack Wilson, you think like yeah, he had 190 or whatever it was RBI and that'll never be replicated, most likely. But also in 1930, he had 200 hits and 50 home runs. So literally a quarter of all of his hits was home runs, which is crazy. Yeah, he was incredible. Yeah. And 
you know, Altuve is really good also. Like, I was, you know how Fangraphs has, like, little blurbs preseason, like, what the people thought of him and then kind of recapping his season before and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Just reading all those from, like, 2012 to 2020 when they stopped. It's kind of like a, it's an emotional roller coaster ride. The first couple of them are always like, ha, 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 Jose Altuve is short. And then, you know, it's like, yeah, he hit pretty well. Like, huh, surprisingly, Jose Altuve did, you know, hit hit 346. And that's amazing. But, you know, he's short and can't sustain this. And then you kind of progress. And then you get to, like, 2015, 2014, whatever it is. And, like, holy shit, Jose Altuve is the best player in the game. He hit, like, 30 home runs and, and blah, blah, blah. It's funny to see the the not outright dismissal of him at the beginning, but the kind of uh, uncertainty, I guess. Yeah. To the progression from that into like, yeah, this guy is uh, bona fide G and, you know, uh, one of the best guys in the game. So I'm extending Altuve. Actually, I'm promoting Altuve, and then poor Kirby Puckett gets traded. Yeah, that's a victim of circumstance here. <laughs> yeah. Ken, any compelling thoughts about any of these? No, really, I'm more of yeah. <laughs> All right, so this week, um, you know, we are on the cusp of the 2023 season. Um, you know, spring training is basically ramping up now into actual games instead of just practice and and individual drills and individual bats or whatever so uh you see this more so at the beginning of spring training than as things get closer to the start of the season but you know we have prospects and minor league farmhands getting into games getting at bats um you know showing some of their new tricks and making good impressions for themselves and blah 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 so so far a couple of the highlights brett Beatty, um two for two with a homer uh, Jose Budo striking out a couple of guys in like an inning plus of work. Throwing a cutter. Yeah, former Mets farmhand farm uh, Jake Mangum, you know, making a crazy catch. In addition, you just have kind of more mundane stuff, you know, random guys logging hits or random guys, you know, throwing uh, scoreless innings against. Uh, competition that is you know at a level above them you know so will you know a uh, william lugo logging a hit against a major league pitcher for instance or nathan lavender throwing an inning and striking out a guy major league guys it's like all right cool you know nice to see uh you know spring training is a time to get back in the groove of things and get back in shape and whatever but it's also a time to work on stuff be it new pitch swing change whatever you know maybe you lost some weight and you're in the best shape of your life whatever it is um so this week that is what we're going to talk about we're going to go over the 20 our top 25 prospect list for 2023 and we're basically just going to comment on one thing that you know we want to see these guys do in spring training whether it's i don't know get in shape <laughs> certain players that is something you know it, it is a legitimate concern possible possibly uh you know change something with the mechanics add a new pitch what you know what whatever it is um so do you guys want to start top to bottom or bottom to top uh i guess top to bottom or yeah okay sure so our number one prospect francisco alvarez obviously um ken you have Francisco Alvarez, I believe. Uh, yes. Uh, so I guess um, what we'd like to see from him during spring training is uh, continue to improve behind the plate and look like a, um, you know, major league quality catcher and uh, continue to hit uh, big league pitching when, you know, presented with opportunities to do so. Basically, proof of concept. Uh <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he is practically there. So yeah, there's your, nothing in, for him to learn other than uh, the nuances he can only learn at the big league level. Mm-hmm. So. 
in your estimation, what is going to be the more difficult of the two? Making strides as a catcher or making strides as a hitter who will be able to make major league uh, quality, take major league quality at bats? I'm way more confident in the bat than the glove. Um, I uh, Right now, I kind of see him being like a two-day-a-week catcher um, who DHs pretty much whenever he's not behind the dish. Um, so I, I'd say defense, definitely. Uh, is definitely what I'm looking to see the most improvement on. And and I think uh, that's, that's ulti- why... They- ultimately, the, the limiting factor for him is going to be how good can he be behind the plate. I think that's why they also signed Narvaez and Nito. Like, Alvarez isn't going to make the team out of camp save an injury. And I think that design is, hey, catchers usually don't just debut this young anyway. So just stick him in AAA and he'll hit. He's going to hit, like, an insane amount in AAA. But he's there to work on his defense, which with as veteran a staff as the Mets have, like, every single pitcher is older. And Senga's a rookie, but he's still been around and been in other leagues and been in professional leagues for a long time. Like, Alvarez learning that stuff while pitching the Verlander and Scherzer is going to be difficult because it's just that's life, you know? Like, he's not he's not throwing to – I mean, younger pitchers aren't throwing to him where there's more leeway. Verlander and Scherzer and guys like that are going to be like, hey, buddy, you need to know what you're doing because – I'm 40 and I've been doing that. I'm trying to win a Cy Young. You know what I mean? So he, that's what I think AAA is going to be for him this year for about half a season before he hits too much. I'm looking forward to the uh, hopefully knock on wood because he did struggle a little bit in AAA last year. But I think we can all say that that is just a combination of getting the promotion. Better, yeah, exactly. Um, and he was hurt much better like, after the after the ankle injury. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. And yes. he was called up immediately. So. I, for one, am looking forward to, like, hopefully a crazy batting. You know, let's, let's go with a 330 batting average and a, a 450 OBP oh, and yeah. a, a six, 600 slugging. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. All right. Um, Thomas, you mentioned Kodesenga. He is number two on our list, and I believe that you have Kodesenga to talk about. I do. And, um... It's really simple for Senga is continue to get used to the U.S. in terms of his teammates, in terms of the mound, in terms of uh, being in the major leagues instead of being in MPB, which is probably a little different off the field as well. I don't think it's crazily different. It's not like MPB is some backwater league. It's a, the second best it's league It's not like world. he's coming from, from cricket or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> like He's coming from professional baseball to professional baseball. It's going to be a little different, and there's going to be learning curves both on and off the field. Like We've already kind of seen it where he had one bullpen where it was reportedly not great because of – I think the mound is a different level or something. I'm not 100% sure it's something to that effect. But then he threw a live PB and looked great and struck out Alonzo, and he made McNeil look bad and because he look, he's a good pitcher. You know, he's a talented guy. So it's just really, for me, I already know that he's talented. It's just getting used to his new environment and getting used to his new situation because it's, it's a lot. It's probably a lot. He probably wakes up every day like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like this time last year, I was in my home home country and I was – everyone spoke the same language as me and I was an established ace. And now he goes to training camp and his teammates are Verlander and Scherzer and all these superstars. And, you know, he's in New York City. Well, not yet, but the New York City media is there. So it's a lot different for him, I'm sure. So just get used to his new world because that's going to matter how he gets used. The more he gets used to stuff off the field is the better he will perform on the field just because comfort. So that's what I'm looking for for him. And stay healthy because you're a pitcher. Mm hmm. I mean, if nothing else, you'll always have pizza to fall back on. He seems to be uh, getting along well with everything. Like, he doesn't seem overwhelmed when you when he talks to the media and stuff, which is a good thing. He yeah. seems to have he has the right seems to have the right temperament for New York City because some people don't, some people do. I think, even though it doesn't, you could not have the right temperament and play here for years, like Degrom did, and it was fine. But he seems to have the right temperament for the city, so that's a plus. Have any of you guys ever been out of country where it's like really culturally different? 
Just, you know, uh, besides for just like just speaking, you know, like Spanish, but you know, people kind of also speak English too. Like, I've been to I, Italy, and that was a little different, but not really. And I was just in Jamaica last this a few weeks ago, and that was pretty different, but nothing like crazy where the right. culture is completely different. Okay, yeah. I mean, I have never been, so I have no. I I can't imagine just being a, a regular person, let alone like someone who's going to have to now perform at a not even just an elite level world yeah expectation right but in addition to that then there's also the expectations you have to like perform at a world-class level and then some yeah well it's 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 a lot it's a lot on this guy's shoulders because that's how it is but i think he has the right temperament to succeed and he looks good pitching wise so so far it's been whatever like a couple of a couple of Twitter clips and a couple of interviews, but yeah, everything but I mean, looks good the, so far. Even the batters, like they interviewed Alonzo and Lindor after it, and they were like, "He's good." Like it was yeah. tough. It's yeah. not like they were um, teeing off on him, which is always a good sign. You always want to see that, no matter when it is. Well, I mean, he's gonna be. I don't want to say that his success is more important than anyone else's on the team, but I feel like it kind of is. I mean. Verlander and Scherzer, like, we know what we're getting, assuming they're going to be healthy, which is a big if, but, you you know, that's not something you could really uh, guesstimate or anything like that. But I feel like Senga, more than anybody else, like, if Senga's good, this team is going to go places. If Senga yeah. struggles, then it's going to be a lot tougher. Yeah. But if, like, we talked about when they signed him, I'm pretty sure we did. The ceiling for him, if he's a third ace, which is mm-hmm. in the, it's possible. Exactly. I didn't want to, I didn't want to say that, but exactly. I mean, if, I mean, if it, he, I'm not going to say it's likely because it's that's not how life works, but it's very possible. He was a five-time, I think it's best pitcher, like the equivalent of their Cy Young, or no, I'm talking about a five-time champion over there and an ace, um, for each of those teams. Mm-hmm. Like that's a top of the tier pitcher in the in that league, and. He could definitely come over and be really good. There's been plenty of instances of that. And if that happens, then imagine trying to win a playoff series against that. If you're another team, you know, that's just such an advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, here's hoping. Pressing my fingers because if the Mets are good, then <laughs> my outlook on every day is going to be good, too. <laughs> All right. Um, next up is third baseman Brett Beatty, and that's me. And basically, what I want to see from Beatty is be more patient at the plate, and basically, you know, wait for mistakes, wait for better pitches. Don't just go with what's given to him. You know, is that going to cause him to strike out more? You know, possibly. You know, if he sees a pitch that's kind of borderline and it gets called against him and he strikes out. Yeah, okay, but you know what? Strikeouts don't exist in a vacuum. He he does have a good eye. He does walk a lot, so I don't really care if his strikeout rate jumps a little bit. You know, over the last two years, his strikeout rate has been in the minor leagues. So in, in uh, Brooklyn, Binghamton, um, a little bit of Syracuse, 24.6% strikeout rate. That's not that bad, given the amount of walks, you know, that he does draw. Mm-hmm. And... You know, in the major leagues, there have been uh, 11 qualified players that have strikeout rates. I just picked arbitrarily. I just said, let's give Beatty 5% more strikeouts if if he takes more pitches and he strikes out a little bit more. So in, in Major League Baseball last year, there were 11 qualified guys that had strikeout rates 27 or higher. Four were below average, and then seven, the rest, were above average. Uh, you know, uh, with the amount of walks that Beatty takes, with the amount of power that he has, I think that definitely he could be a guy with a little bit of a more elevated strikeout rate, but rate, but also is able to post good offensive numbers. I mean, Eugenio Suarez struck out at like a 30% rate or a 35% rate or something like that. And he also had a 131 WRC+. plus. Yeah, he was really good last year. Yeah, so I mean... Yeah, all of, of Beatty's tools exist and they coexist and it's not a vacuum and if he strikes a little bit more eh, whatever I'll take that 
If that, you know, if he strikes out 20 more times, but that results in five more, five more home runs, I'll take those five home runs every single day of the week, you know? Yeah. I mean, he could probably make the team talent wise. I just don't know if they're going to fit him on the roster. Yeah. I mean, right now with him, it's like a good question to have because they, Escobar has enough in the tank that you can't just completely jettison him. So it's a good problem. It's better than like, oh shit, what are we going to do with third base? Like the Mets have basically had that problem for <laughs> like decade or so. Yeah. Ever since, right. Even when they were like going to the World Series. Right yeah. was there at the end, but most of that season it was just kind of like, oh, what do we put there? Many, many uh, borderline infielders have given their their arms <laughs> to try it's to true. fix. TJ Rivera, um, Jeff McNeil, a little bit, several. For once, it's nice to have like a logjam at the position rather than literally scraping the ba- bottom of the barrel. Yeah. All right. Um, next up, our number four prospect is Kevin Prada. And who has Kevin Prada? Uh, Ken. Let's kind of do everybody. We, um, we traded so Ken could start oh, this one off. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, Kevin Prada just continued to uh, make his swing less weird. Um, the early returns on that are good. Uh, although I have seen some, he is still doing the, the elbow thing a little bit where the elbow starts really high and then comes down as he gets into hitting position, but uh, it's not up at his eyes anymore, so that's good. Um, just continue tamping that stuff down uh, so that he's quicker to the ball. Very simple. <laughs> the exact changes you would hope they would make with the guy who's got all this elaborate setup going uh, make everything simpler so that he, he gets a couple tenths of a second back. Yeah. Also, keep working on defense, but I, I feel like the swing stuff is more important. Yeah, I mean, if you can't hit, then it doesn't matter if you can't defend either, <laughs> because there's no point yeah. in keeping it. Especially because he's athletic enough where he's not a catcher or bust situation. Like, not saying Alvarez isn't a good athlete, but he's shorter, and you're not really going to put him at first base because he's too short for that. And he's not going to Pablo Sandoval's way to third base. Like, if Alvarez isn't catching, he's DHing. But you could probably put Parada in the outfield, and it'll be fine. And if he's a good enough hitter, then there you go. Who cares if he's, like, an okay left fielder? Like, you'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. But also, this is what real organizations do with the Mets. Just didn't develop hitters for years because – Outside of that one crop with like Nimmo and McNeil and Pete and all that, like they changed Pete's swing. If you look at college Pete and then yep. look at Pete now, it's totally different. And you have to do that because some guy who's now like a, an accountant was pitching to Parada. You know, no offense to that guy. Like that guy's <laughs> he's a, a good accountant. Than, damn it. Like he, that guy's a way better baseball player than I ever was, but he's also not a major league player. You know, like yeah, I mean the. The level of differences is so strong. You have to make those those changes. And Parada's setup was so weird; it was going to probably be a negative for him. Ken mentioned that you know it gives him. You know, we're just making up numbers, but it gives him an extra tenth of a second or whatever. But like in, in theory, that actually uh, is like. But that's that the difference. I don't, I don't means know something. what the yeah. actual what the actual number would be, but in theory, right, right. But I'm just not if it, the time it takes him to take his elbow and bring it down to where it needs to be for him to strike the ball. Right. Those X. <laughs> those X amount of, you know, those fractions of a second, whatever the, you know, whatever it actually comes out to when you're actually watching, you know, super slow-mo video and whatever, but those tenths and, and hundredths of seconds in, in Major League Baseball, they they do matter. So any kind of minute, minute, super minute, you know, advantage that you could give a, a, a hitter is... You know, these days it's necessary. You know, it's good. It's relevant. All right. Number five prospect, shortstop Jet Williams. Um, I had him. So basically I want to see from Jet Williams this year is just to continue making 
solid contact off of off-speed pitches. You know, Jet was drafted out of high school last year. He got into a grand total of 10 complex games um, in 2022. Odds are he's going to be assigned to St. Lucie, I think, to start the season, the upcoming season. And, you know, that is kind of when you start seeing off-speed stuff. Um, it's still rough off-speed stuff, you know. But to use an expression, you know, Lucas uses, that those breaking pitches are orders of magnitude above the stuff that he sees in travel ball, the stuff that he was seeing against, you know, high school, um, you know, other other high school pitchers that he was facing. So, you know, he's got all the tools. He's got speed. He's got power. Um, but obviously, you know, those things, it doesn't matter how fast you are. It doesn't matter how much raw power you have if you can't put good wood on ball. And... Yep. You know, I, I just, you know, I I want to see him uh, have a good time against, you know, off-speed pitches. Yeah, that's the important stuff. Just take more steps. Mm-hmm. All right, number six is right-handed pitcher Blade Tidwell. Me. Um... I really just want Tidwell to stay healthy and keep doing what he's doing. He was yeah. really, that's the only reason why the Mets were able to draft him in the second round was his health. And while that's an obvious good thing to um, to buy on that, it's also important that he now stays healthy and the Mets keep him, do as much as possible to keep him healthy. And that starts in spring. So get out of spring training healthy. I really don't care about spring training numbers in terms of really anyone. I yeah. If, if Parada goes 0 for 10 in his few sprints, well, I mean we're going to see more of them because of the World Baseball Classic. But if Parada goes hits like 150 or 200 or whatever, but he changed his swing and there's a real reason why he's doing that, then I'm going to care. Wait, I'm going to forget about his spring training performance a week into the season. I won't even remember it probably two days after camp's over. You know, just. Mm-hmm. If Tidwell gets lit up a little bit when he's facing Manny Machado or some shit, okay, you're not supposed to get him out yet. But you're supposed to – I want you to get to the dugout with the ice on your arm and be happy and fine, you know, so you can take your next reps. That's really what I look for for the pitchers. I can't argue with that. All right, next up is our number seven prospect, center fielder Alex Ramirez. Uh, did anyone have Alex Ramirez? I think Ken did. Ken. <clears throat> He's muted right now. Ken. Ken. Well, I My hope Ken's bad about that. Okay. I was, I was about <laughs> to say, I hope Ken is okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, Alex Ramirez, similar to Kevin Parada, uh, simplify his swing. We don't have any um, evidence to suggest that he has done that, at least to my knowledge. But um, he's got a lot going on with the hand movement. Um, I would like to see that cut down a little bit for reasons we discussed with Parada, that it you know give him a little more reaction time. Uh, other than that, he's still very young. Um, he's in big league camp, I believe. He played yesterday. Just look like he belongs, I guess, would be a, a good expectation for him for, for spring and uh, beyond. I personally am more worried, I guess that's maybe worried is even too extreme a word, but I have more concern, I guess, about Ramirez's swing than I do Parada's swing. Yes, do you, okay. I agree. I agree with that, too. I agree. There's a lot more moving parts. Uh, Parada, you could always say he, regardless of what's going on while he was setting up, uh, he always got into ideal hitting position. Yep, yep, that's at, exactly at the right. Time. Yep. Um, you can't really say the same for Ramirez, and uh, we've seen guys who have elaborate setups like he does. Uh, Ahmed Rosario is a good example of this, where he did like a, a weird like hand circle as he was going to the ball. Um, things like that can either create timing issues later on when. Um, Timing becomes much more precarious with better stuff or uh, just leads to sync issues. So I'd like to see him uh, simplify things a little bit. Agree. <laughs> Since we're talking about these two guys, will we ever see another Kevin Euclid again? 
I think the game, like the way the game is taught now, I think that will get te- um, I think that'll get coached weeded out with players. Yeah, yeah, there we go, coached out. I mean, Just, I mean, maybe. Um, I mean, how many it, weird it depends. Do we yeah, have so it. I'm of the opinion that um, as long as you get into position uh, at the right time, so even Parada, right, where we would like to see things get simplified, and he he has already started to look like he's simplifying things. Um, as long as you get to hitting position, I don't really care what weird comfort shit you have to do <laughs> uh, to to keep yourself comfortable while the the windup starts, you know. Uh, so Kevin Euclid, you know, he always got into hitting position. It doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I think guys will still do weird shit while setting up. Uh, it's just how weird and, um, you know, how late is the, the shift from weird shit to where you need to be. Yeah. So I think we'll see Kevin Euclid's. They'll just be um, fewer and farther between and uh, maybe not quite as uh, weird. I can't wait for the next prospect to go full craig council and just like <laughs> put the bat I'm like why even hit like that <laughs> so bizarre craig council was basically standing on his tippy toes like the bat all the way above his head all like. the way above his head and then who was it um jeff bagwell he basically just like sat down on the ground with his crouch yeah i uh, think we'll see more something like that like a bagwell type thing more than a eucalyst type thing because i could see Someone just hitting the ball real far because of the the power that you're putting behind all of it. Good times. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Our next prospect now is our number eight prospect, third baseman Mark Vientos. <clears throat> that would be me. And Vientos actually could make not make the Mets, I don't think. That's barring he just destroys every left-hander he sees and gets Darren Ruff off the roster. But if he keeps hitting, like just hit, I would like to see him hit more well-roundedly, hit righties more, because he destroyed lefties in the minors. He struggled against the righties in the minors. So, like, I don't really see him hitting well against righties in the majors. Just from that, it's hard. They're better. But um, you could probably shelter Vientos and have him be a valuable member of your team for like a year or two before you probably want to improve on that. And if Ruff starts off slow, I could see him being that guy uh, taking over half the DH spot. So just hit, really hit lefties, continue what you're doing with lefties and hit righties a little bit more to try to get yourself a more position to be like, hey, I could be a DH for this organization as well as anyone else because he's not going to field anywhere. He's just it's not going to happen. There's Beatty, and, and it's just there's too many people. Like, there's his best position's first base, and unless Alonzo gets hurt, he's not going to be a first baseman. And there's Escobar and Beatty ahead of him at third. So his path to major league playing time this year is being a platoon DH, which is in his wheelhouse of expertise and possibility. So just keep hitting, really. Hit the ball, hit righties, continue to hit lefties, and I could see him being in Queens halfway through the season when Ruff gets DFA'd. Here's hoping Ruff gets DFA'd. <laughs> All right. Um, number nine is shortstop Ronnie Mauricio. And basically, I want to see Mauricio just be more selective at the plate. He has a lot of red flags. I think we've discussed that a lot. I think some people have disagreed with us. Some people have agreed. But 
what we consider those red flags, I think a lot of them boil down to just the same root issue. Mm-hmm. And overall, a lot of the, his red flags, not all of them, will be fixed, but you know they'll be improved. I think if he's just more selective at the plate, you know his pitch recognition not the best, his swing is long, he's aggressive, and kind of like what I was talking about Beatty before, if he's more selective and a little bit more passive at the plate, he's going to strike out more. But I'm willing to deal with some more strikeouts if it means that, you know, he draws a few more walks, he makes better contact with the things that he does decide to swing at. So, you know, it's it's I'll trade that for a little bit more Mauricio productivity and, and better outcomes from those at bats. All right, number uh, to our number 10 prospect now is Dominic Hamill. Um, I also have Dominic Hamill. So basically, I want to see him refine the command. Um, Hamill led the system last year in strikeouts. He had 145. That's good. But he also led the system in walks with 54, which is less good. Um, mechanics are not bad. They're not terrible. They're not like, oh, my God, this is reason why he's walking so many people. You know, he has some some stiffness and a little crossfire. But. You know, those things are not causing the, the, all of the walks. More so, I think, is that his stuff, just there's a lot of movement in all of it. His two-seamer, his slider, curveball, you know, change-up. All those things have a decent amount of movement, you know, run or, or drop or whatever. And I think just learning through throwing more pitches, you know, and whatever, learning to just better harness that stuff and keep the stuff in the zone or close enough in the zone to get batters to, um, you know, swing and, and go fishing, whatever. I think that stuff is key to Hamill's future uh, growth and success. And, you know, he doesn't have like ace upside or anything like that, but he is basically, you know, a, a couple more walks, a couple of more, you know, keeping things in the zone a little bit more turning into a fairly reliable, you know, mid rotation kind of starter. He's got the size, he's got the pitching arsenal, he's got all that kind of stuff. The ingredients are there. You just want to see the command tighten up a bit and, you know, the floor is going to increase, ceiling is going to increase. So that's what I want to see. Just get better with the command. And those guys are so valuable to an organization, even if the Mets are spending money as much as they are because you could just spend it elsewhere then. You don't have to sign Jose Quintana for $10 million, wherever they did. Because yeah, was, exactly. Because Jose Quintana is a great example. Like, yeah, you still want to sign Verlander and Scherzer, but you could do that and then have uh, – if David Peterson was a little better, you don't have to worry about this. Or Tyler McGill wasn't hurt a ton, then you don't have – you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, and next up is our 11th top prospect, right-handed pitcher, Kelvin Ziegler. I bet that's Ken. I think muted he's again. me. Uh-huh. Am I muted? No. No, you're, you're good. Oh, okay, yeah, I wasn't muted. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Calvin Ziegler. Really, just stay healthy and uh, continue to, um, you know, show the big stuff that we've seen from him, or that I feel like to be drafted high. I feel like all the pitchers have the same thing. Literally, stay like, healthy. Kind of stay nice. healthy and don't walk as many people because that's like every of these pitchers' problems. Pretty much. Yep. I have nothing really else to say about Kevin Siegler. Yeah, I mean, he's young. Had a fair uh, year. He had a fair year, and the two biggest issues were basically he kind of got hurt, and that kind of threw things off, threw him off his groove, and – he walked a lot of guys. Yep. All right, number 12 is right-hand pitcher Mike Vassell. It's pretty similar. Um, stay healthy. Continue to get like get out of spring training where you're on your feet. But also, he's. I'm a little worried he's going to go out like Jose Budo a little bit, where he doesn't have that dominant other pitch. Like, his best pitch is a changeup, and... We saw how that 
is a problem with Budo, where they kind of caps your ceiling a little bit. And then here, Budo came back with a cutter. And if he has a cutter and a changeup, then we're kind of talking here, you know? So I would like to see Vassal develop another pitch and develop something else alongside of his changeup because, I mean, unless you're Trevor Hoffman, I'm not seeing much of a ceiling for, or Johan Santana, like, it's going to be difficult for you if your best pitch is a change. So if Vassal could do something like that, then we're kind of talking a little bit more because I like him the least, I think, out of all that gr- that crop of pitchers kind of is in my mind in the same place. Hamill, Vassal, and, and um, Ziegler, they're all kind of similar to me. I just kind of lump them together, but I think Vassal's at the bottom right now because I think there's more stuff with the other two guys, and I would like to see him catch up a little bit because that'll help him. That'll help his career. Don't uh, Can't disagree with that. Right, number 13 is outfielder Stanley Consuegra. Stay healthy. Yeah, please. <laughs> Stay on the field, <laughs> goddammit, please. Did he look, yeah. like, he looked Alex Ramirez-ish, he like, he light. Pretty good. Yeah, he year. was like Alex Ramirez light last year when he was on the field. You can make <clears> an <throat> argument that he's a better a better prospect, I think. Uh, just, he's three years, what, three years older, two years older? Um, and doesn't have any more experience because he missed so much time. So yeah. stay on the field, continue getting uh, good experience. All right, number 14 is third baseman Jacob Bramer. Oh, that's me. Um, I would like to see him continue his approach and keep it going, the ability to walk. That the good thing is I don't feel like that's a thing that goes away. I feel like if you have a solid ability to lay off pitches out of balls, it'll be a learning experience when pitchers are better and they're able to their breaking pitches are able to con- or confuse you more. But <clears throat> really, I liked the the, the Raymer pick a lot, and then I like what he did right away, and I would just see him continue to do what he did last year on a longer scale, and that starts in spring, just because he didn't play much, obviously, with how the draft is now. It's so late in the year that. Everyone's draft year is kind of a uh, – I could kind of ignore it and move on. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So short that unless you're totally awful or totally like you're hitting like 700 in two weeks, and I'm like, oh, shit. But otherwise, he was good, and I would like to see him continue his approach. Don't get out of your approach because I think your approach is a smart one. And because I, I could kind of see you being like, well, I need to be a little more aggressive, da da da. but I think that would be a mistake because I think – where he's how his approach is now is something that could really build for the future. So yeah. Just keep yeah. doing what you're doing, Hana, and yeah. get a little better, obviously. Good habits to get into young. Yes, yeah. yes. Good habits to get into when you're young, I think is the big thing. And I feel like it's impressive that a guy coming out of high school has been able to do that because he probably he probably got pitched around so much. <laughs> Just <laughs> since he's able to get drafted and you know a high school kid is probably like oh, i don't want to face him i'll face that the, the kid who is not going into the mlb draft next year it's a fair strategy all right next up is number 15 joel diaz and same thing i i would like to see him just refine his command um he allowed way too many walks. He struck. He walked 25 guys last year in 55.1 innings, so that's 4.1 walks per nine. And then you combine that with the fact that he was just allowing a ton of hits, a ton of hard contact, and you know it was a recipe for disaster. And lo and behold, he—I don't want to say he had a terrible, terrible season, but it was not uh, not the best. And I was actually looking at his stats, and I didn't even realize this, but. So he had 16 appearances last year, and he only had one single outing where he pitched, um, where he did not allow any runs, which is kind of not great. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he is talented. There's plenty of talent there, but just, you know, suffice to say, he uh, he needs more seasoning. But that's okay, because he was 18 last year, and today is actually his birthday, so... Happy birthday, Joel Diaz. He's 19 Friend now. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, 
he was he was 18. He was playing in the U.S. for the first time in his career. He was four years younger than league average. He didn't light up the world. Big whoop. He did decent. You know, you saw enough good things to say, okay, this is not an abject disaster of a season. We have some optimism going forward. So just uh, I think there's reason to be optimistic and controlling those controllables like walks is the first thing on the list to to do list, you know. All right, next up is number 16, Matthew Allen. Um, not much to say there. I think we can all <laughs> agree. We just, I don't know, don't, don't, I don't know, don't amputate your arm. I don't know. At some point, return to pitching. Yeah, at some point, return to pitching. Just don't, you know, just give it one last try, see what happens. Don't just retire. Um, so now that brings us to number 17, Jose Budo. And that was someone I had. And basically, what I want to see from him is uh, I'm kind of over Jose Budo. I just want to see him learn to warm up as a reliever, be able to get up quickly, because I do not see him as a starter. He's, um, you know, the fastball is fine. Major League fastball change up. It's an above average pitch, but that's basically it. I know that, you know, yesterday, well, at this point, uh, when the show gets posted on Monday, Saturday's game, he was throwing, you know, like a, a curveball slider thing. Maybe that slider replaces. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Excuse me. He, he throws a curveball as a, a slider cutter thing. He throws a curveball and it's not good. Maybe this pitch replaces the curveball maybe it's just conjunction i don't know we have an entire season to see but i don't have faith in it because you know you don't think that at this point where he's been a professional for like five years that they haven't tinkered around to see if anything else that he could do is Eh, he was in a bad mets organization like yes i i agree but at the same time i want to give everyone kind of the benefit of the doubt (laughs) Because I do not legitimately think that the old Mets would have even thought to teach him a cutter. Like, like look what they did to everyone else, every other pitcher. They would just let him do whatever, like whatever yeah. they were doing. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter, but if he learns how to throw a cutter and it's good, then he could be a reliever. Yeah, I mean, I think he could be a reliever right now with sure. a sure. with a third pitch that is anywhere from fringy to possibly above average who knows uh, you know because we need to see it obviously he threw like one inning of work or whatever um but you know basically he's written the combo that he has now into the upper minors and he's looked good on the surface but it just he the guy just seems to be tailor-made to be a reliever he's really good the first time through the order and he's really bad through the second time through the order to the point where I think he only threw, uh, he only got into the seventh inning three times last year, you know. Um, and you know, I, he he is a there's the ingredients to get major league hitters out, and I you know I see more utility to get, let's say twenty to twenty five okay innings from him as a reliever, than getting let's say a hundred solid minor innings. And then twenty not great major league innings as a yeah, like as two, a spot starter two bad or whatever. Starts or something right, like that. right. He has more utility to the Mets being an okay reliever than he is being a not great spot starter. But I'm fine with that. Like I don't think that's a problem really, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's probably in his best interest too, just because there's more mm-hmm. reliever roles, there's more of opportunities for him to you know, the ultimate goal is to make it to the majors and stay there for however long. And the path to get there is much easier out of the bullpen than it is as a starting pitcher. If he could be like a two-inning at a pop reliever, throwing a changeup mm-hmm. in a cutter or whatever, cool. Seth Lugo was real helpful for the Mets for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all you need is a decent fastball and one other really good secondary pitch, and you kind of fake it and make it from there. Yeah. 
All right. After Budo, we have number 18, right-handed pitcher, Lionel Avias. That's me. Um, Avias is interesting to me where he was – he had kind of a tale of two uh, seasons last year. He was really good in St. Lucie, pitched with 2.76 ERA in 11 games, four starts. Um, <clears throat> then they called him up. To, I mean, to Florida in the in the Coastal League, not in St. Lucie. They called him up to St. Lucie, and he kind of got lit up. Three starts, five uh, games, had a six ERA. His walk rate balloons by, like, from 1.5 to 6.2 per nine. Um, the strikeout state went down a little bit from 13.5 to 11.4 per nine. And so I really just want to see him get back to the St. Lucie, I mean, the, the Gulf Coast performance. Obviously, it's... That was a learning experience. I feel like that happens with almost every player. You call them up midseason and they get worse because the competition is suddenly way better. And you, the things you were that were working in a lower level, the guys are able to lay off that pitch or they're able to drive that pitch a little more or they're able to like make more contact, whatever it is. You know, there's a million things. Mm-hmm. It's just better competition. Um, and he's an interesting. He's an interesting guy. He has a big. He's a big spin rate guy. He throws pretty hard, mid-90s. So just get back to what you were doing. Less walks. The strikeouts were kind of still there. It went down from 13 to 11 per nine, but that's still a lot. It's not like it went down from 13 to 6 per nine. So it's really – I would like to see him continue to, like, get the command a little bit back under control, and that might be – that might have been a cornucopia of things. It might have been guys that are just – he's throwing a curveball in the dirt that a guy's swinging at in – the coast, the guys laying off of it in single A, that's a learning experience for him. So kind of continue to grow because I think there's something there with him legitimately. Even if it might be a reliever, it might be a swing guy, but the spin rate's very encouraging and the strikeout, the swing and miss stuff is very encouraging. So continue to hone your craft and keep the ball in the zone. Like every, every freaking starter, (laughs) every pitcher we've talked about, I feel like, but it's that's the name the name of the game. That's the difference between being a major leaguer and not. So basically the common thread is get better with your commands. And I think this next player is gonna be something that buckles that trend. And that guy is number nineteen, right handed pitcher, Bryce Montes de Oka. Get work no. <laughs> Please get worse. strikes. Please. Really. Please God, throw strikes. Because I think he has major league stuff. Yes. Honestly. I really do. Yeah, but does yeah. does not have anywhere near major league command. No. Uh, the good news is with his stuff, I don't think he needs you know much more command. No, he doesn't uh, need to be pragmatics, but it needs I to think be. If he's if he's like near the plate uh, a majority of the time, he's he's at least an up and down guy, which is you know useful. Um, and if I don't know, I think Jeff and Jared said they they thought he had like twenty command. Uh, if he gets to thirty, great. <laughs> he's a big leaker. If he gets to 40, he might be, like, a really, really good big leaguer. So He might be a leverage guy at 40, to be honest. Yeah, ex- exactly, right. Instead of a churn guy, which, again, still useful, especially given the Mets don't have many churn guys. Um, you know, well, just throw strikes, please, for the love of God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the health stuff with him is obvious. We've been talking about that since he was at, like, Missouri. <laughs> but really... If he's around the plate, you should be using him as much as possible because he has stuff. He has more stuff than most of the guys that they're going to have in front of him. Mm-hmm. All right. Number 20 is shortstop Jesus Baez. Um, That's also okay. Ba- yeah, for Baez, um, he should be coming stateside next year. Just adjust to living in America. Find the plate. <laughs> Get more command. Um, I, I, guys who, who are just coming over uh, from, from the DR, um, I, I really don't care about the results. Just acclimate to being a professional in America and, um, you know, try not to get too down. <laughs> uh, we've all heard the stories of Wilmer Flores being, you know, depressed and, you know, where, where was he, Kingsport? Um, just try your best to acclimate to you know, living in a new place away from your family, uh, presumably for the first time. Yeah, no, it is definitely a underreported tough yep. hardship to have to yeah. deal with, sure. especially uh, at 18. Performance-wise, you know, whatever we get out of this gravy, but uh, just to acclimate. 
or um, you know, take take that adjustment. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is number 21 prospect right-handed pitcher, Junior Santos. Ooh, this is a fun one because I really want to see him take a step finally. I feel like the Mets were so aggressive with him for so long, and he just kind of treaded water, which is not a good thing, but it's not a bad thing either. It just is. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you gotta you got to make the, take the next step. I know the Mets were aggressive with you, but at some point, you got to show something. And I think if... I know Jarrett tweeted something similar to this because um, he quote tweeted someone, I don't remember what it was, about um, Jose Budo's cutter, his new cutter. And if they're doing stuff like that, then Santos is the perfect guy to teach that because then all of a sudden he's got another pitch and it's a good pitch and he's flying through the minors a little bit. You know, you're getting him up to speed quicker. I think he's probably going to be a reliever, but at the end of the day, he needs another pitch. And I think if the Mets are getting smarter now and they're hiring more people, which they very clearly did in the off season. I feel like they hired everyone to help their minor league system. I feel like every day there was a new hire that was tweeting out that they're getting hired by the Mets. <clears throat> Just get them another pitch and let's get it moving a little bit because I know you're still young, but it's been like four years. Yeah, I feel it like it won't be for long. Yeah. It's at some point, at some point the Mets being aggressive and pushing you, it's like, you've already been here for years now. So it's time to start taking the next steps. And I want to see that. And I would like to see him get another pitch. And I think the Mets are starting to get a little smarter with their player development. I think we've already seen it. Um, we've seen it with their different ways of drafting. So these are the guys who will pop, you know? So. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is number 22, center fielder Willie Fanius. And what I want to see from him is I want to see him steal bases. You know, one of the two, he, he wasn't terrible in the DSL last year, but he wasn't particularly great either. He did two things decently. He drew walks. He had a 9.6 walk rate, which is solid. And then he stole 10 bases in 13 attempts over 32 games, which is decent. And, you know, I think that stolen bases kind of are going to become, they kind of got forgotten about in, in the recent modern era of baseball. I think they're going to kind of become more useful. Mm-hmm. With new, some of the new rule changes and new philosophies of the game and all that kind of stuff. So it would be nice to see a guy that has that, you know, above average speed and, you know, work with him basically from the beginning to make him an effective base dealer. Meds don't really have too many guys in the system that are like good base dealers. They, Omar De Los Santos led the, the system in steals last year. He had 7,000. 7, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that's a kind of uh, outlier, you know, because after him, then the next highest was uh, 22, Carlos Dominguez and Jalen Palmer. And the last, you know, 2021 and 2022, that's basically been like about it. You know, the best guys in the system steal around 20 bases. Then you have a couple of guys, you know, in the teens and everyone else is just a mush mush underneath that. But, you know, I like stolen bases. And Fanyas is a guy that has the potential to be a base dealer, so it'd be cool to. It feels like such a slow organization. Yeah, it it really is. Like I was, I I wrote that Tim LoCastro uh, season preview, and I was like, <laughs> like this the major league team is slow, and I'm you're looking on the right and the minors, and I'm like, who's fast? There's, there's just no one. There's no guy who is like, now Tim LoCastro is he's like crazy fast, but. They just never really placed a premium on it, I don't think, as an organizational philosophy, which might yeah. change with the new rules, like you said, but it'd be nice to see. Even the guys that are like average or decent have have average or, or you know, or so uh, foot speed or, you know, are good in the outfield in terms of range. They don't steal a lot of bases. I mean, Nemo can't steal a base to save his life. He's fast. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Ahmed so. Rosario couldn't steal a base. He was fast. Like. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Rosario looked like he was taking like four steps in quicksand every time he'd go. <laughs> it was crazy. And the guy is fast. Like, it's not yes, like he's a slow mask. And, but I don't know if the Mets like just, five steps, it felt like he was covering no ground. Yeah. And I don't know if it was an organizational thing where the Mets didn't want to teach base stealing, didn't know how to teach it, but I was, <laughs> he did, he did like a, uh, like a Flintstones run with the first couple of steps like, doo, 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 and you don't move. And then after you go, when you finally start going, it's like the legs running in a circle in a cartoon where they're just move. They're yep, going yep, in a circle. Yep. And it's not moving. 
yeah, I think we all can agree that it's very slow, a very slow organization, literally in terms of guys running and kind of philosophically too. They've kind of been uh, behind a little bit. Hopefully that changes. Um, next is number 23, uh, right field, excuse me, right hand pitcher, Eric Orzi. Um, I kind of, I have him and I kind of is like, okay, a lot of these other guys, they need to work on the commands, you know, throw more pitches in the zone. So I said to myself, you know what, let's do something radically different here. I want Eric Orzi to throw more pitches out of the zone. Basically Ooh. his... His biggest red flag last year was all the home runs that he gave. I mean, his health, obviously, but also he gave up 11 home runs in 47 innings, which comes out to a 2.1 home run per nine rate. And, you know, obviously, if you throw something down the heart of the plate, that's more likely to get a home run. But also the sweet spot to hit home runs is basically down and in where you can like golf ball pitch. And Eric Orzi's best pitch, his splitter, that's yeah. basically what it kind of does. It, it dives and it goes down. And his walk rate right now is very good. Um, basically, last season and in 2021, he walked exactly four guys. Uh, excuse me, 14 guys in basically the same four. amount. <laughs> yeah, that would be really good. I, I mean, 14 is um, crazy anyway, but. <laughs> yeah. And basically 50 innings of, you know, one year is like. 47.1 innings and then the other year is like 50.2 innings so you know round that to about 50 innings or so 14 guys in 50 innings that's very good it comes out to a uh does it come out to a 2.5 walk rate per nine that's really good i'm uh, you know let him if he walks a couple more guys you know if he walks 25 percent more guys that's an 18 that's 18 guys that he, he walks that's still a 3.2 walk rate if he walks 50% more guys, he you know 21 guys in about 50 innings. That's a 3.8 walk rate. That's still not bad. And if he's able to basically throw that splitter out of the zone underneath it, you're gonna get guys to miss. You're gonna get them to go fishing, you know. And you're gonna hopefully you know um, give up fewer home runs because it's not in the zone. So the guys are not gonna be able to make good contact off of it. So I think Eric Orsi being able to throw, you know, those those purpose pitches out of the zone, you know, under the zone, whatever, um, would make him more effective. Number 24 now, center fielder Simon Wan. Wan is an interesting player because obviously we haven't seen a lot of him. He was a highly touted IFA. But he played 53 games in the DCL in the DSL last year. I mean, um, at 16, and he only hit 219, 310, 323, which is a 77 WRC plus. He struck out only 23% of the time, which is something that is very interesting to me. That he didn't 23% of the time is fine if that lasts up into the majors. That it's a totally normal strikeout rate. I would like to see him walk a little bit more. It was only 8%. But also, he's another guy who could run. He had 16 steals in 53 games, so I would like to see them expand that part of his game. But really, I just want him to see get more comfortable playing professionally. Uh, we probably won't see much of him in spring training, just because how young he is. He's only is he even 17. Yeah, he he turned 17 in in July, so he's going to turn 18 in the middle of the season. It's <clears throat> he's just young, and we're probably not going to see much of him. But I would like to see him kind of just get more used to being a professional and everything that goes along with it. Cause it's a learning curve. He wasn't bad enough where I'm totally worried about him though. So cool. Get just keep getting, keep getting used to life as a professional baseball player at 17 years old. <laughs> There's <laughs> not much else to say. Yeah. Something when I was looking at Fanyas' stats and then I was looking at Simon Wan's stats, their walk rates are pretty solid for, yeah, a, like guys, their level and and their and their age, and B, you know, historically, you know, you don't walk off the island. That whole trope. Their their walk rates are like really solid. There's a lot of looking at them. There's a lot of reason to be like, oh, I could see them. Mm-hmm. Why I could see why I could see the vision with them. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. they're very far away, and we're not even going to consider them. I mean, when did we start con- caring about Alvarez as a prospect? He was like 19. Like we got a few years left for these guys. 
to start. Unless you're Ken. Ken knew him. Ken knew about <laughs> the whole time. But okay. Ken lives in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, these guys are so young that I could see the vision with them, but it's just getting them there, and that's a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, last but not least is our number 25 prospect, third baseman, William Lugo. Uh, for Lugo, just uh, I'd like to see him cut the strikeouts a little bit. He's not egregiously high, but, you know, 23 24% um, K rate, and uh, just continue hitting, and especially continue hitting for power. So, um, you know, we saw a little bit of a jump in his ISO last year. Um, so strikeouts, hopefully down a little bit. Uh, power, hopefully up a little bit. If those trends continue, excellent. Yep. <clears throat> all right. So, uh, you know, we'll see how all these guys do. Obviously, we got about, um, what is it? Yeah, we got about a month before the 2023 season starts, so. We probably, like I, I mentioned this a little bit before, but we actually might see more of these guys than normal because of the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the Mets. It's like their whole they infield have, going. Yeah, they have uh, they have about 12 guys going. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to see a lot of the infielders, like a lot of Ronnie Mauricio and William Lugo's probably going to play and stuff. So it'll be interesting. It, it'll be curious to see how that works just with them getting more and more playing time in spring. I wonder if that's going to help or hurt them. I can't imagine it hurts. But. All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex of Queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seipa. Lucas is at Elvajos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate and review them. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>